Local news, talk, sports, and the hits of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Kane 107.5. Good morning and uh, Happy New Year. Uh, today, a big Tuesday, January the 3rd, as we start off Bayou Sports uh, here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. Of course, we start off with sad news this morning. Uh, if you were watching uh, Monday Night Football last night, and a big game between uh, the Bills at Cincinnati against the Bengals, uh, the young man by Demar uh, Hamlin, um, uh, midway, I guess midway through the uh, uh, first it's early, yeah, early. seven yeah. minutes left, maybe in the first. Yeah, and uh, he just after making a nice tackle, uh, picked himself up, and the next thing you know, he's. Flatlining, hitting the ground, and uh, the medical team is rushing out there to assist him. And just a massive uh, cardiac arrest. Uh, His heartbeat was restored on the field, taken to uh, the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, where he's currently sedated and listed in critical condition per the team. And uh, as uh, both teams uh, gathered, and um, you could see kneeling and uh, just praying for his uh, well-being, when the ambulance towed him off uh, uh, and all this taking place, of course, the headlines right now through all, not only in the sporting world, and all the news right now, Jeff, and uh, just the uh, game was postponed. Uh, when will they play it again? Who knows? If, when, you know, how do you work that in? But very important game in the standings. Absolutely. Or, or maybe they'll look to see if this Sunday's game has any impact on it and would that uh, game not being played affect anything that's right and uh, basically the timeline last night 8 55 p.m eastern time the injury occurs 9 18 game suspended 9 25 the ambulance leaves in 10 01 the game was postponed and as you mentioned jeff uh there's there are some very small windows uh, possibly with the wild cards uh, being uh, preceded, uh, but both of these teams basically are still in the hunt for the number one seed. If and, my and memory cor- is well, that's the key. That's the key, and there's only one number one that gets a bye, so you can't have it wild card weekend because one of those teams will play a wild card game. That's right. That's right. So, Even if they're the division winner, they they're still playing in the wild card round. Yeah, and just um, it, of course the NFL is in a they're in a tough spot right now. Uh, I can't believe, though, they did kind of the right thing. Last night, that, yes. That's what amazes me about yeah. the NFL and ESPN. <laughs> Apparently ESPN at one point, and I, I did not see the game. I saw a lot of football yesterday, but I didn't stick around for that one. <laughs> but uh, apparently at one point ESPN said, hey, f- there's a five-minute warm-up period, and the NFL scrambled and said, no, we never announced that. We had no intention of resuming that game maybe it was a wish for espn to fill three hours of programming that's right that's right uh with uh, spots but uh anyway the, the the if there's any good news that came out of that in response in december of 2020 hamlin set up a community toy drive fund for children in need of his hometown of the keys uh, rocks pennsylvania on monday night that gofundme page uh, became a way for people around the world to send their love and support the original goal of the fundraiser was just $2,500. And as of 6 a.m. Uh, uh, Eastern time this morning, that uh, totaled nearly $3.2 million. Uh, so uh, had been donated by 124,000 donors. So like I said, uh, one good thing that did come out of that game last night, his fund uh, originally set up to uh, help the kids from his hometown 
is now full of uh, over $3 million in uh, donations. Wow. Here's hoping he'll be around next Christmas to hand out those toys. Boy, they, they, they could be handing out Cadillacs yeah. <laughs> to those children at $3.2 million. Don't know how big his hometown is. A goal of 2500 just uh, was uh, turned into $3.2 million. In the meantime, uh, the Bills game, uh, they were pegged as one of the best matchups of the year. And uh, in consideration now, the NFL VP Jeff Miller said uh, Monday, our concern, of course, is with the player and his well-being. And at the appropriate time, I'm sure we'll have a conversation regarding the game. So uh, as the Bills have already returned to Buffalo, so uh, – some of the players chose to remain in Cincinnati, be near Hamlin. Uh, Hamlin may have suffered heart arrhythmia, experts say. Uh, not sure about that. Uh, a lot of, uh, and there was speculation uh, initially what was wrong, you know, what, uh, what brought him down. And uh, there was a lot of uh, guessing on, on that part until, I guess, the, the University of Cincinnati Medical Center made uh, the uh, announcement that uh, with the uh, cardiac arrest. So uh, just uh, you got to pray for that. Uh, that young man, and hopefully uh, he can come through this. Don't know what his football future may be. Right now, it's his life that's on the line. Meanwhile, uh, another uh, sporting news. Uh, boy, with the bowl games yesterday, uh, while our local teams won tight, the other blowout, and uh, LSU taking on Purdue yesterday in the uh, Citrus Bowl. Uh, I don't think Drew Brees could have played quarterback yesterday for the Purdue Ballermakers that made any difference in this game. Uh, 21, that was a 14 nothing, 35 nothing at halftime. The game was pretty much over by then. I don't even know. Uh, late in the game, I think Purdue might have had just over 100 yards in total offense uh, in yeah. that game. And uh, LSU just uh, – all the points of the game just pointed to uh, their ability to uh, just uh, – they could throw it, they could run it, they could they could do what they wanted to do in that regard. And uh, the Tigers go on to win 63-7. to uh, Garrett Nussmeyer got in the game 11 out of 15, 173 yards. Daniels was 12 out of 17, 139 yards. Even Neighbors uh, threw a couple passes uh, for 50 yards and – uh, uh, the young man from St. Thomas More got in the game, completed two out of four passes for seven yards. Uh, LSU is probably the best rushing uh, attack they've had all year. Uh, if my memory serves me right, they ran for over 300 or 225 yards. I thought they were, it was 369 throwing it. They held Purdue to 94 yards rushing, 169. And most of those yards came in, I'm sure, when the backups win the game for most of the game and the Tigers just put a lick in on uh, Purdue. Of course, they were favored. I don't know what it finally went off at, Jeff. I think it was close to uh, uh, 15, 17 points, 15 points. 54 and a half was over and under. They topped that. Uh, and uh, in the meantime, like I said, Drew Brees could have been the quarterback for uh, Purdue yesterday, and I don't think it would have mattered uh, as Drew Brees doesn't play defense. Yeah, and, you know, uh, there's a lot made out of Drew Brees, the betting action was halted, uh, at least by the sports book he represents, uh, although he did distance himself from that. But but that's also a sign uh, that this Purdue team was going to have struggles because their coaching um, system uh, yeah. had been decimated by departures. And so uh, that, that's one of the reasons Brees stepped up to begin with, uh, just knowing the, the situation there. 
So, and both teams were somewhat depleted as far as players opting yeah, out. You're right about but, that. But Purdue was probably more affected by that. So Yeah, LSU had a lot more quality depth than people give them credit for. And, uh, of course, the soothsayers feeling that uh, uh, Coach Kelly, uh, maybe a preview of, a preview of things to come is uh, Daniels is going to come back for his uh, a last year of eligibility over at Tiger Town. And, uh, and what surprised me was – with the yardage, the total yardage, he set he was number two all time in LSU history. Of course, you don't have to think he's number one in uh, Joe Burrow, but I was surprised that uh, what he had thirty four, thirty five hundred yards, I think, in total offense through the course of the year, and initially during the course of the season, didn't play real well in some earlier games against some non conference opponents, and uh, came on strong late in the year. Other than the Fugaboo against Tennessee, but uh, in the meantime, uh, did pretty well, beat Alabama. You know, uh, set the course there, took down Florida early in the year, and uh, the Tigers are feeling pretty good about themselves other than the the last uh, thorn against A&M over in uh, College Station to end the year. But uh, played strong uh, over the uh, yesterday, and, uh, of course, without uh, New Iberia native. Uh, did they ever go into the game to mention uh, – of course, he declared for the NFL draft, I do believe. I, I didn't hear any reference uh, to him, and uh, – in advance of the game, Coach Kelly was somewhat, uh, yeah, he tap-danced around the reasons why Kayshawn left. Didn't really clearly uh, state uh, the reasons, and uh, that's probably up to Kayshawn to do that. Yeah, I agree with you, but it's, um, you just, just wonder about that uh, with, with with his thought process, I, I mentioned last week, I think an agent got to him and said, you're going to be a high draft choice, blah, 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 who knows. Uh, and, you know, with most kids today, uh, t- show me the money and uh, take away the books. I'm ready to play football. So uh, that has a lot to do with it, too, uh, especially, you know, I, I'm not sure about uh, uh, Kayshawn's uh, background with regards to uh, – uh, his uh, how his upbringing with regards to monetary values and all, but uh, man, when they're going to show you millions of dollars, it's kind of tough to say no. And, and I tell you what, um, you know, I'm watching the game, see a Purdue player go down, and you sit there and say, yeah, I guess this is kind of why some players choose not to play in these games because of the, the risk of injury. And I, I have no idea where. That guy is on the pecking order of the NFL draft. I don't even know his name. Don't even remember who it was that got hurt. Yeah. But, uh, again, uh, had he been a high draft possibility, how much does that knock you down? Especially when the when everybody else has left. Uh, you know. That's right. That's but, uh, right. Anyway, kudos to him for playing. Let's go to the phones. All right. We've got a caller on the line. Hi, you're in the air. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey, hey Tony. Hey, Wayne. Wayne. Good morning. Look, uh, uh, we need details of that tone, of that <laughs> two lane victory, buddy. If you got to go to a break, do it. Oh, I didn't get a chance, but well, uh, did, I, I saw the end of it. The, yeah, the boy, end was, was fascinating. I mean, we couldn't stop uh, uh, the Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams. Just he. We, he commanded the field. Just uh, throw, some of the throws he made was uh, you're going. How did he make that throw? His receivers right. caught the ball. They did drop a few on him though. It, it, some things worked in our favor, but in the meantime, uh, the Greenies hung on uh, just barely. They were down. Uh, 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 it was too lanky. They were down fourteen nothing. They came back. Uh, on a drive and then had a, an unbelievable uh, pass play of 88 yards to uh, Jaqueen uh, Jackson, a kid from uh, 
around the River Parishes and all. I think he was uh-huh. a quarterback at Hanville High School uh, back in the day. And uh, he can motor. He's not big. He's probably 5'9", probably 175, 80 pounds, but he can run. He's already He brought right. back uh, two pump returns this year for touchdowns. Uh, okay. So he can motor. And that tied the game up at 14. Then uh, – they had a breakaway run uh, midway through the second quarter of about 40 yards by one of their backs, Who did? Who did? Uh, USC. And it okay. made it 21 to uh, 14. Then we turned, we didn't turn the ball over, but we ran out of downs. And uh, before you know it, it was 28-14 at halftime. Yeah, Tul- I saw that score. Okay. Yeah. Then Tulane got the second half kickoff. And uh, they went down the field and ended up scoring to make it 28-21. Uh, again, uh, they kicked a field goal, I do believe. I'm trying to recall. Made it 28-24. And then uh, it seemed like Caleb Williams took over again. And uh, he was just chunking the ball all over the place. We did not sack him one time. And USC yeah. did not punt one time in the ball game. That We turned him over on downs once. And we also intercepted a pass, uh, which got us back into the game uh, uh-huh. in the first half. In the meantime, in the uh, second half, uh, we score, outscore them 32-17. to uh, 17. And, uh, of course, that wild last four minutes of the game when Tulane was yeah. down 45-30. to 30. And uh, we ended up we ended up going for two points. I didn't understand that with Fitz when uh, it was 20, I think it was – 35 to we scored to make it 35 20 uh, or 30 maybe we go uh, we went for two I couldn't understand that decision and uh, we didn't make it and uh, they go on to score another touchdown to make it 42 and they kick a field goal late to make it 45 30 and then with approximately four minutes left we get the ball back and uh, we score in two plays a long pass play to uh, uh, one of our wide receivers in uh, uh uh, Deuce uh, Watts, and on the next play, uh, I think people around the country, if they watch that game, saw what kind of incredible football player Tajay Spears is. Uh, uh, he can run, he can catch, he can block. Good student. He's got a three-five average at Tulane. A kid from Ponchatoula wow. was was recruited by catch this Tulane, Southeastern, Nichols, McNeese, and Kansas State with only five offers he had coming out of high school. Played on the same field with uh, Finley, who was the LSU quarterback, who was praised. Uh, uh, a good yeah, friend of mine. Yeah, yeah, a good okay. friend of mine whose uh, little son played for Mandeville told me he saw Ponchatoula play Mandeville years ago, and he said, Ty J. Spears, I'm telling you, is the best man on that, in that field. Might be one of the hidden secrets. Uh, Tulane's pulled a couple of them out like that. Matt Forte wasn't highly recruited coming out of a Slidell High School between uh, Tulane, McNeese, and a couple other schools, maybe Southern Miss. That was it, and uh, uh-huh. the rest speaks for Forte. Late in the game, we go down and score to make it uh, – score 45 to uh, – and the crowd's getting a little restless, 45-37. And Tulane kicks off, and the ball goes out. of The kid from Southern Cal catches it and fumbles it out of bounds at the one-yard line. So oh they got us. They got to set up at the one first play from scrimmage. They run the ball right up the gut, and I really thought Williams would throw it one time, and they stop him uh, for no gain. The second time, of a kid by Patrick Jenkins from John Area High School, uh, who was a transfer from TCU, who started for them for a bunch of games last year, transferred to Tulane. Has a little. They have a defensive shift. Gets in the backfield, sticks him straight up for a safety. It's Ooh, forty-five. God, it's mercy. forty-five. I didn't realize that. It's okay. forty-five, thirty-one, and then uh, 
Southern Cal's got to kick it back to Tulane after the safety. They kick uh-huh. it. Tulane's got the ball about the 34-yard line of their own 34. And uh, they had two fourth down and ten plays to make yeah, it. Yeah, I saw it. I saw that. And then uh, they got on the field and they what hit. What about the catch at the six and seven yard Yeah, line that was Deuce. That was Deuce once again. And I'm surprised he held on to the ball with the well, shot he it. took. You know, they both creamed each other. And I said, Lord, how in the world he held on? You yeah, know? you wonder yeah. how that wasn't a head-to-head hit. So, oh, he wasn't hit it with the crown. I, I mean, they hit him with the – anyway – but Tulane yeah. goes on to, thank God, bomb dropped the first pass attempt. You know, you got to throw that. the ball in the end tackled. zone. Yeah, and, he would have got tackled and time would have run out maybe. That's, you know? that's right because they were out of timeouts yeah. with uh, basically hey, 12 Lord, seconds the left. The was on y'all side that day. Buddy. That's right. Uh, and uh, they hit the say They give him the confidence. They hit him again in the end zone. He's a true freshman out in New Jersey. And he catches the ball with the help of a USC's player whose hands under the ball to keep it well, in his groin area so he can catch the ball. It's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, Kick the extra um, point to win the game on a transfer from Rutgers. The kicker for Tulane this year is a transfer from Rutgers. And, uh, and, he, and he, he nails the extra point. That's right. Yeah. And uh, Tulane yeah. goes on to hold him off. Uh, just Caleb Williams is uh, – I. Of course, our defensive secondary we, all through the year had been pretty good, but uh, uh-huh. we have no pass rush. I can tell you that from uh, the beginning of the year. We, our kids are, are good. They'll chase the quarterback all over the field, but if we had 20, 23 sacks this year, that would have been a lot. And uh, Southern Cal, uh, of course, they were hurting, but, uh, wow, what more can you say? Willie Fritz yeah, uh, uh, yeah. does the job. Anyway, uh what a game, uh, what a time. You're talking about flipping a record from what? 2 and 10. 2 and 10 to 13 and 2? 12, 12 and 2. 12 and 2, yeah. The biggest uh, biggest turnaround yeah. uh, win, uh, wins in the history of the NCAA football. Wow. Two and, go. and last year was a nominal year because anomaly with regards, you know, they gave Oklahoma all they wanted in that first game of the year. Pat was Pratt was beat up pretty bad. And then they're in Birmingham for the next month due to Hurricane Ida. And, uh, you know, they couldn't weight lift. They had to eat pizza. They couldn't get the nutritious foods. And they just uh, – and uh, the rest of the year just fell in line. Uh, and I saw that happen after Katrina for Tulane, too, where they didn't play a home game that year. And you could see the squad. They just – no muscle mass. Uh, uh, they, they, they wear down at the end of the third quarter and uh, – and Chris Selfo himself told me that team in 05 would have been his best team ever. He had it Tulane and just uh, got destroyed with Hurricane Katrina. So in the meantime, the, the Green Wave, um, what, what a precedent. And, uh, boy, just I was just surprised that the number of people – that was, they have more people at that game that could fill Human Stadium. I can assure you that. And Human Stadium holds a little over 30,000. And there were well, more people at that game. The whole sideline and the upper decks were full of Tulane fans and screaming well, and hollering. So it was something to see. Yeah, I saw the kids, the, the student section. Yeah. You know, and yeah, man, they were. You know, all young kids, I say, yeah. you know, oh, probably yeah, 25 students. years old. Yeah, probably they students. They graduated, That's right. you know, but, you know, oh, yeah. migrated out to the West Coast or whatever, you know. Oh, and then come, you know, how that goes. Oh, yeah, you know, there's a big the, Tulane base. I've got a couple cousins that live up in Dallas, uh, so uh, uh-huh. they finished at Tulane. And uh, yeah, they, right. uh, they they were so – and my, man, my cell phone blew up. I, would, I must have had 30 texts from people, former classmates, <laughs> people all over the state well, in the country for that matter. Anyway, I'm it was so just happy a, for Oh, yeah. I'm so happy, too. Yeah, with this it's program. A, it's a, 
it's a struggle, you know, when oh, you yeah. got that, the, the academics involved. Oh, you, know? you do, you do. And somebody made yeah. a comment, uh, you know, we've won more uh, uh, New Year's Day football games than Notre Dame has in the last 28 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, great to hear. That's great to hear. You yeah, know? it was so, pretty much fun. Yeah, I just wanted to call and congratulate Oh, thank you, you man. So, I appreciate okay, it. Buddy. I got a couple right. other texts while we're sitting here. With the appreciate same thing. the call. Yeah, well, Wayne, uh, have a nice day. Happy New Year. Got a couple of clips from Willie Fritz as well as uh, the guy who scored that uh, touchdown pass. But Willie Fritz on the turnaround this season. It's a huge win, you know, for the program, a huge win for the university, a huge win for the city. We represent New Orleans. We represent Tulane University, represent our football program and and uh i think we've seen this year that uh you know what great football season and and competing at a high level can do for a you know an institution and again talked about the comeback you know we're gonna look back at this and where there's some times we didn't play real good but but we hung in there and uh you know we're able to pull it out at the very end i think that says a lot about coaching staff support staff and and uh, you know obviously these young men and the guy who caught that touchdown pass, Alex Bauman, I knew he had scored. The mic was playing a little inside, so I had to attack him and cross his, uh, cross his face, and Pratt put a perfect ball where I can make a play on it and kept my hand under the ball and scored. I knew right away that I scored. Didn't need the review. He didn't no, need it. No, not at all. And I think they showed it on the Jumbotron at uh, Jerry's World. And you could see that the USC's player who tackled him, his hand was on the ground. And the mm-hmm. ball was right down on top of that. No, so it was got great an camera work. And, indeed, uh, it was clear to me that he had caught it. And I was glad to see uh, it held up. Well, it did. And uh, just the, you, you could see the crowd just uh, the, <laughs> looking at the Jumbotron. And they knew it was a score. Uh, USC, uh, Lincoln Raleigh was saying, no, no, it's incomplete. Incomplete. But uh, it went on for a score. Tulane wins the game 46-45. And uh, believe it or not, uh, we need to go ahead and take a break uh, here on Bayou Sports. You listen to Bayou Sports here on a big Tuesday, January the 3rd. We'll be back with more uh, college bowl action right after this. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. The Quarter Tavern is the premier spot for live music. Thursday, Southern Jack. On Saturday, the Cajun Company Band. And on Sunday, T.K. Hewlin and Steve Adams. Remember, never a cover at the Quarter Tavern. Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main, across from McDonald's. The best drink prices in DeBerry. Domestic beer, now just $2. Imports, $3 all day, every day, other than during bands and special benefits. 19 TVs has you covered for the bowl games and no bar with more outdoor serving and don't forget the quarter tavern now serving fresh fruit margaritas and daiquiris hey guys if you're looking for the top golf experience in iberia parish you need to look no further than cane row golf and turf club low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens the recently refurbished sand traps and incredibly plush fairways and by the way you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy cane row the brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers pizza wings and many other choices along with absolutely the best most potent margaritas that you've ever tried so whether it's golf food or just some fun come to cane row and enjoy 
athletic field provides challenges that test the competitor. It is in that challenge that you realize you can accomplish things you have never thought you could accomplish. I am Jacob Landry and I'm running for state representative in District 49. I've created hundreds of jobs, good paying jobs that families can build prosperous lives based on those jobs. This is my challenge and I need your help. Your vote and your support will ignite a bright new future for all of us. Paid for by the Jacob Landry for Louisiana campaign. Now back to Bayou Sports on the all-new Kane 107.5. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on a big Tuesday morning, January the 3rd, and uh, Happy New Year to everyone out there if we haven't been able to uh, tell you that. In the meantime, uh, they had two big semifinal games in the NCAA uh, playoff, college football playoff, and the first game uh, Saturday afternoon was the TCU Horn Frogs taking on the Michigan Wolverines and uh, what looked like uh, TCU was just gonna, it looked like TCU was going to uh, just take advantage of Michigan and uh, run them out the stadium. And uh, Michigan made a torrid comeback, but uh, TCU always found a way to uh, get back on the scoreboard. As in the first quarter, it was fourteen to nothing. TCU just looked like a juggernaut, Jeff. I mean, they 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 held up their end of the game. In Michigan, you were wondering uh, how they got here. Uh, with a 14 to nothing uh, lead in the first quarter, and then uh, uh, TCU taps on another touchdown uh, to make it 21 to six at the end of uh, the, at the uh, to halftime, and uh, Michigan comes back with 24 points in the third quarter. TCU answers them with 20 uh, in the fourth quarter. Michigan outscores them 15 to 10, but uh, TCU with that early jump. Uh, ended up beating the Michigan Wolverines by a score of 51-45. I missed some of the game trying to get some uh, other things in. But uh, in the meantime, Michigan went off as an eight-point pick in that game. And I didn't think the Wolverines uh, – uh, uh, I just I, – I don't I don't see where – I don't know, Jeff. They just – something was missing with them during the course of that game. I don't know how much of that game you were able to watch. But you saw the second half more than the first half, uh, and you're right again. Uh, TCU failed to put them away for good when they had the opportunity, but at the end, uh, they, they got the job done. Yeah, TCU turned the ball over three times, yeah. two interceptions and a fumble, and uh, Michigan also turned it over twice. Uh, and uh, TCU, each seven penalties for 85 yards. They were sacked once, Michigan, uh, excuse me, they sacked the Michigan quarterback once. TCU got to the, uh, Michigan got to their quarterback four times. Uh, TCU was eight out of 16 on third down conversions, which basically helped them throughout the game. Seemed like they were always making a big play, a mm-hmm. long run, a long pass play uh, to get them a score. And Michigan was three out of 13 in that regard. Uh, and the game pretty much uh, ended up, uh, uh, with uh, TCU uh, holding on as uh, uh, Michigan scores the last touchdown with 3.18 left to go in the game to make it uh, uh, 51-45. And uh, in the meantime, uh, TCU uh, was able to hang on, like I said, to win the game. Uh, Michigan outplayed them a little bit in the second half, uh, but in the meantime, uh, they got behind by two scores quickly, and uh, it was hard to play catch-up against a TCU team that can put points on the board uh you got to be impressed uh with their speed too and i think that's something michigan didn't realize uh, earlier in the game yeah maybe not uh we'll say this uh, and, and i was rooting for big 10 all weekend except for yesterday's lsu game and i just saw one big 10 team fall after another until penn state finally won a game yesterday afternoon 
But, uh, you know, I was really kind of pulling for the Michigan-Ohio rematch. I thought that would have been pretty cool. Uh, TCU-Georgia matchup uh, doesn't have as much allure. But, you know, uh, again, a lot of people are going to be rooting for David versus Goliath on this one. Oh, and, pretty much so. Know, I uh, mean, we, we, we got a lot of purple outfits around here. We may as well <laughs> slap one on for TCU coming up on Monday night. I know two TCU graduates. Uh, a bud, good buddy of mine, Pokey Prentice, got his master's from TCU uh, years ago. And uh, uh, one of our local employees years ago, Pat Killen's son, Tommy Killen. Yeah, I was thinking about Tommy uh, during that game. I know it's been years since he uh, left campus, I would imagine. I, yeah, I it's, it's been a good uh, 15 or so years. Uh, of course, Tommy holds the all-time record. Uh, discus throwing in the state of Louisiana at one time, I think, was up there in the top five or six and, uh, for high school discus throwers. So, uh, anyway, went to TCU on a sc- track scholarship. So, uh, happy for him. In the meantime, Ohio State and Georgia. What a Donnybrook. Yeah, Ohio oh, State. Oh, man. Uh, two, what, two 13, 14-point leads, uh, two, at least big two-score leads. And they cannot find a way to put that team away, and that really frosted my yeah uh, seven uh, seven seven after the first quarter, and uh, Ohio State puts up twenty one points in the second Quick. quarter, and I mean it's uh, Georgia comes back to make it a little tighter at halftime twenty eight twenty four. Ohio State then puts ten points up in the third quarter to go up thirty eight to twenty four, and you're going well, well, you know Georgia had their shot. And Georgia scores from 18-3 in the fourth quarter to win a Donnybrook uh, 42-41. And C.J. Stroud, 23 out of 34, 348 yards and four touchdowns, while Bennett was the same, 23 out of 34 for 398 yards and three scores. Uh, of course, the difference in the game uh, – in that, uh, that, and of all things, Georgia turn, you know threw an interception in that game. Neither team uh, fumbled, uh, and uh, the refs let them play. There were a total of uh, eight uh, penalties in the whole game. Uh, in the meantime, Georgia was two out of ten on third down conversions, one for one on fourth, and it was a big one. And of course, Ohio State was four out of twelve. Uh, Ohio State. Uh, Oh, Georgia ended up outgaining them 533 yards to 467. Uh, you got to start asking where the defense is right now. But uh, Ohio State uh, uh, loses. And it's just a tough game. I know at the end of the game I was watching, you could see a couple of the Ohio State players with their heads down. I'm sure, oh, they, sure. Were, sure they were in tears. You know, those are tough games to lose. Uh, I don't care uh, who you're playing in the meantime. Uh, but just uh, it goes on and um, life goes on. It's you know, for some of those players, uh, maybe their last organized football game. You yeah, know? you're right about that. Yeah, uh, many of them probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime, the late game last night, uh, Penn State and Utah. Uh, Penn State uh, jumped on it quickly, but Utah came back to top of the game at 14. And then Penn State goes on in the third quarter to score and then scored two touchdowns uh, in the fourth quarter. Uh, Utah scores late to make it look a little respectable, but it was Penn State the whole way in that game. I felt uh, they just uh, looked good fun. Uh, Clifford, the quarterback from Penn State, was 16 out of 21 for 279 yards, while Bryson Barnes, who uh, I think was as uh, was he the I'm trying to think was he the backup, the starting quarterback? Yeah, Barnes got hurt and sat out the second half. I think he had a knee injury. 
and they bring in uh, Rising, his backup, who goes eight for 21 for 95 yards and uh, pretty much uh, told the game as uh, Bryson Barnes is a heck of a college quarterback. And, uh, of course, Utah dismantled USC a few weeks ago in the Pac-12 championship game and uh, the only team to beat USC twice until Tulane did it yesterday. And uh, in the meantime, uh, Penn State wins a big bowl game, uh, number 11, uh, Penn State. Is, would they, will we see another uh, college football playoff, uh, uh, what I say, rankings, or would they wait until the end of the TCU-Georgia Oh, game? I would imagine they'd wait. Okay, well, I'm, Associated Press might have something, though. Well, and the AP put out their, I'm, I'm sure they've got their weekly rankings out, uh, maybe if not yet sometime today okay uh anyway uh at the eight o'clock hour we'll have uh, bob rose on we'll talk a little nfl and the saints uh with regard the saints uh i think once the packers won their game saturday uh sunday that eliminated the saints i'm trying to recall it almost seemed as though as soon as tampa won they were talking elimination because i think six teams had to lose out yeah, for something the like saints that. to be able to get the wild card uh, obviously if they would have one and and they did and had Tampa lost then they're still alive for the division title but I think six teams ahead of them had to lose and so along the way one of those probably didn't happen because it seemed to me it was known that the Saints were eliminated soon as they as soon as Tampa won yeah and the Saints are eliminated from playoff contention uh Tampa with an Eight and eight record right now, and I'm trying to. They play Atlanta, their final game. Uh, Carolina comes to New Orleans to take on the Saints for the Saints' re- final regular season game. And, you know, um, let's go ahead and uh, take our next break. We'll come back and uh, talk a little bit about some other NFL games and a big scoring uh, a day for uh, NBA or last night. And guess what? Zion Williams goes down again. Anyway, we're going to be back with more Bayou Sports right out of this on Kane Radio. Hey guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Cane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. The Quarter Tavern is the premier spot for live music. Thursday, Southern Jack. On Saturday, the Cajun Company Band. And on Sunday, T.K. Hewlin and Steve Adams. Remember, never a cover at the Quarter Tavern. Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main across from McDonald's. The best drink prices in DeBerry. Domestic beer, now just $2. Imports, $3 all day, every day, other than during bands and special benefits. 19 TVs has you covered for the bowl games and no bar with more outdoor serving. And don't forget the Quarter Tavern, now serving fresh fruit, margaritas, and daiquiris. 
Hi, this is Boxcar Bajlow inviting you to join me and PGA Golf professional Teddy Slyman for Chip Shots. Mondays from 5 to 6 p.m. We'll take an in-depth look at the local, state, and national golf scenes. And we invite you to chip in with your calls at 367-1240. Chip Shots is sponsored by the Coca-Cola Bottling Company, GolfBalls.com, and our local golf clubs, Eagle Ridge, Kangaroo, and Sugar Oak. So let's make a tea time for 5 p.m. on Mondays for Chip Shots on Kane. Stream us live on Kane1240.com and catch the podcast the next day. Now back to Bayou Sports. Phone lines are open to talk sports at 367-1240. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. And uh, a little NBA action last night. We've got to talk about this a little bit as uh, – uh, the young man from the 76ers went off last night, and that's Donovan Mitchell. He scored – or the Cavs, rather. He scored 76. The Pelicans played the 76ers in Philadelphia last night. We'll talk about that momentarily. But uh, Donovan Mitchell went off last night in overtime. He had 71 points in, in a game last night. Uh, How much in overtime? Uh, you know? Yeah, I'm looking. Here's the uh, mention of it right here. Uh, scored 71 points uh, in that overtime uh, game, a win. Uh, Donovan Mitchell added his name to one of the NBA's most ratified list. Uh, Mitchell was 71, most by an NBA player in 17 years, and the Cavaliers rallied from 21 down to beat the Bulls, 145 to 134. Overtime Monday night, uh, of course, it's the most points in a NBA game since the Laker great legend. Kobe Bryant had 81 against Toronto uh, back in 06. Of course, Will Chamberlain owns the NBA record with 100. He scored against the uh, Knicks March 2nd in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And uh, looking for uh, the points uh, as the final seconds ticked off of overtime, uh, Mitchell waved his arm uh, at the Cleveland crowd, and, which he embraced a short time later. Uh, uh, of course, they were chanting MVP, MVP. Okay, here you go. Mitchell scored 13 points in the extra session after forcing overtime by grabbing his own intentional missed free throw and making a circus shot with three seconds left to tie the game at 130 and breaking the Cleveland record with 58 points. In overtime, Mitchell became the seventh player to hit the 70-point club. Chamberlain did it six times, folks, and I'm sure most of it was in 1962 when he averaged 50 a game. While uh, also Bryant, David Thompson, Elgin Baylor, David Robinson, uh, and the Phoenix Suns, Devin Booker, each uh, reached the figure once of 70 points. So uh, in the meantime, uh, while hats off to the young man, uh, just an unbelievable uh, game for him. Uh, had some of the stats on him, too. If you give me a, a moment here uh, to pull that up with regards to uh, his game last night uh, in Cleveland against, uh, let's see, from um, from that point of view, let's see, uh, Chicago, Cleveland, 71 points. He uh, had also eight rebounds, 11 assists. He also had uh, one block, four turnovers, uh, three personal fouls. He was 22 out of 34 from the floor, 20 out of 25 from the free throw line, went seven out of 15 from the three-point line. He had three offensive rebounds and five defensive rebounds for his uh, game of 71. Played 49 minutes last night of, what, uh, 48 plus uh, five. So he played 49 of the 53 minutes of the game. Uh, he had four minutes where he had time to rest. Uh so 71 points for that young man, and uh, what more can you say? Meanwhile, uh, over in uh, Philadelphia, the Pelicans journeyed up there to take on the uh, 76ers in a ball game. 
and they go down 120 to 111, but that's not the story of that particular ball game. As Zion Williamson, uh, with about oh, a little under a minute left in the third quarter, uh, grabbed his back leg, uh, hamstring, strained hamstring, uh, as he goes down in that game after uh, scoring 26 points through three quarters. And uh, the basically the 76ers uh, at the time, uh, um, it was uh, about a four-point game when he went down. But in the meantime, um, he doesn't come back. Don't know how long he's going to be out for the Pelicans. And, uh, you know, Jeff, as we've always talked mm-hmm. about, he's been with the uh, Pelicans for three years. Maybe it's his fourth year. And he's missed probably more games than he's played in through the course of uh, action with the uh, with the Pelicans. So, uh, yeah, hopefully he can return. Of course, in the meantime, um, Zion um, still playing well, and he's missed a few games this year already with uh, with injuries. So, uh, trying to see the Pelicans uh, still in the Western Conference. Um, uh, they're second behind Memphis by half a game. Uh, the Pelicans are five and five in their last ten games. Uh, uh, I'm trying to look and see in the Eastern Conference uh, has Brooklyn's won 12 in a row, and uh, the Pelicans uh, play them. Uh, I think January 6th in New Orleans, I do believe, and they're going to make it the Epiphany or the uh, the what, 12th the, night. Yeah, 12th kind of night with the Mardi Gras concern. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, right now, Brooklyn's the hottest team in the league has ever won 12 in a row. So uh, that'll be interesting, that NBA action there in that regard. So um, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, elsewhere in the sporting world, uh, we'll have Bob Rose on at 8 o'clock. We'll talk a little bit about the Saints and uh, their year. I mean, you look back on it, Jeff, and you look at two or three of the games, they literally didn't necessarily give away, but uh, pretty much handed uh, uh, the 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 uh, loss the Saints were handed uh, the two pick six uh, uh, in the uh, Arizona game the uh, the game that uh, Tom Brady scores fourteen points in the last three minutes to beat the Saints uh, the Minnesota game up uh, or I should say in London where the Saints lost a really a tough uh, match and even late in the game against Cincinnati where Chase breaks a tackle and goes uh, 55 yards uh, to put the Bengals up 30 to 26 as the Saints go down to the Bengals uh, uh, in mid-October, I believe that game was. So uh, uh, just you wonder um, <laughs> if uh, one or two games had fallen the Saints' way, would they be sitting where Tampa Bay is maybe with a 9-7 and uh, seven record uh, right now? But uh, it meant to be in the Saints right now. Uh, we'll talk with Bob Rose more about that. In the meantime, so um, just tough break, tough luck. Don't know if you have anything. Uh, you know, I've more. been scratching my head over what the NFL does with this uh, situation. You know, certainly Cincinnati still had a shot at best record in the AFC, but Kansas City right now with 13 wins leads that. Uh, Buffalo could have gotten their 13th win last night. Cincinnati their 12th win. They could have gotten had they won. Uh, but uh, both teams are playing teams. Well, Cincinnati's playing Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Baltimore has clinched a playoff spot, but they could still win the division too. So that's a huge game next week. They're not. I just thought maybe somewhere along the lines, if the scenarios would be reasonable, that Cincinnati could play Buffalo next week, and then uh, Baltimore could play New England. Just if, if playoff implications weren't there, but playoff. Yeah 
implications are there for both of those teams, all four of those teams. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the NFL does with that. Uh, There's still two playoff spots to be decided in the AFC. Uh, Teams that are still alive, Pittsburgh and Miami, New England, uh, haven't clinched yet, but uh, for the most part, everybody else has been eliminated. Well, the one feather in uh, the uh, Buffalo's cap right now is they did defeat the Chiefs earlier this year. Uh, that was back in October 16th. They beat the Chiefs 24-20 to in a game at Kansas City. Don't know what implications that might have with the NFL deciding on the number one seed, you know. So, mm-hmm. uh, of course, the Kansas City faithful will be screaming you know, uh, saying that we've got the, uh, you know, the better record. Is it possible Cincinnati beat Kansas City, too? If, if oh, they still have question. a shot, if they still have a shot at the number one seed uh, in order to have that tiebreaker, because they can only have 13 wins, Kansas City's already there, and certainly Kansas City could end up with their, uh, another victory under their belt. But uh, That's right. Let's see, just going over the Kansas City schedule quickly, did they even play? I thought they did. Yeah, they lost this, uh, They lost, Kansas City lost to uh, Cincinnati, 27-24. They lose the tiebreaker against either of those teams. That's right. So, yeah, huge playoff implications all over the place. Sure, it sure is. So, uh, in the meantime, uh, we'll see what the NFL does, how they decide how they're going to if they'll reschedule this match, if they're just going to blow it off due to uh, the young man that's fighting for his life, uh, Hamlin, uh, don't know. So the NFL uh, scratching their heads, see how they're going to answer this uh, next game. Like I said, the windows are so small where they can play the, finish this game uh, from a suspended part. So uh, with, what, seven minutes, six minutes left to go in the first quarter. Uh, By the way, Kansas City's at Oakland next week. Uh, they really need that win. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, anyway, we'll see how this is all going to come out. Uh, your fear for the life or uh, Kane Radio. Uh, uh, as always, uh, saying prayers to this young man for recovery um, in critical condition up at Cincinnati Medical Center. Uh, in that, uh, and uh, we'll see. Of course, Buffalo has already flown back. I think most of the team, some stayed. Yeah, and uh, most I had of the team a big fan presence at the airport at. 2.45, I think, this morning, East Coast time. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, if you're joining us late, uh, too, we mentioned earlier in the um, first uh, st- segment of Bayou Sports about this young man had a, uh, uh, a planned thing for Christmas with regards to collecting money. His goal was to collect about $2,500 with regards to uh, toys for children in the area, his hometown uh, due to uh, his, um, I guess, GoFundMe page uh, being uh, announced uh, last night, they collected over $3.2 million for, around the world from 124,000 donors. So, uh, and, and I'm sure it's not just Buffalo fans. I'm sure it's people from around the country. But Buffalo fans have stepped up uh, on many occasion when it uh, benefited an opponent's player's charity or something to that effect. And so I think a lot of folks are returning the favor. Yeah, who was the uh, old journalist, Tim Rushett? Uh, Rushett? Yes. Who was the big Bills fan? He'd always go Bills, you know, at the end of his program. He passed away a few years ago. Uh, I think he was Face the Nation was the uh, He program. was Meet he, the Press. Meet the Press. Okay. NBC, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I was uh, a big fan of Tim's. Yeah, he sure was. Anyway, uh, we're just a couple moments away from getting Bob Rose on to talk about the Saints' big win over the Eagles. 
but not to be. Uh, anyway, you listen to Bayou Sports here on a big Tuesday, January the 3rd. We'll be back with Bob Rose and a little Saints uh, news right after this. Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. Celebrating 75 years in business, Danos has been setting the standard for generations. Become part of something bigger. Join the team. We're currently hiring for a variety of offshore positions in both our production and construction divisions. And you can apply right now at danos.com or call us at 1-833-GO-DANOS. Great jobs, great people. That's Danos. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. Landry has been traveling around District 49 talking to friends and neighbors about bringing prosperity and economic freedom to all our citizens. As we visited with thousands of people across our great district, many asked, how can we get involved in moving our district forward? Join us by going to jacoblandryforlouisiana.com where you can easily sign up and join our campaign. Go to jacoblandryforlouisiana.com and register now to join us. Pay for by the Jacob Landry for Louisiana campaign. What does the 50th anniversary of Title IX mean? It means I'm valued. I'm empowered. I can do anything. It means I'll pave the way for every girl who plays high school sports in the future. Just like every female student, coach, official, and administrator blazed the trail for me. Because every student deserves the opportunity to play. Encourage girls you know to participate in Louisiana high school sports. This message presented by the LHSAA and the Louisiana High School Athletic Directors Association. Now back to Bayou Sports on the all-new Kane 107.5. Welcome back to Bayou Sports this morning here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. And, folks, uh, we wanted to see if the Saints could beat the, probably the best team in the NFL and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Saints go on to do it 20-10. to 10. And, Bob Rose, uh, who would have thunk it? Hey, good morning, guys, and a happy new year to everybody and everybody's families. Uh, prayers for DeMar Hamlin yes. before we go any further. Um, but yeah, the, yeah, the, the Saints definitely put on an impressive show, uh, you know, on, on Sunday. Um, a lot of people, and rightfully, rightfully so, are asking, uh, you know, where has this team been, uh, for the, you know, for the entire year, the squad that we have seen the last, you know, two, three, four weeks. Uh, but ne- uh, ne- nevertheless, it's, it has to be a feather in Dennis Allen's cap and really that whole organization as they head into the offseason. Cause the Eagles, even without Jalen Hurts, the Eagles presented a formidable uh, opponent, no doubt about it. Yeah, you're right about that. It's just uh, just unbelievable that uh, Andy Dalton at one time during the game, I think he was 11 for 11, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, through a stretch, and he ended up uh, 18 out of uh, 22 for 204 yards. Of course, uh, uh, back up, uh, uh, I guess, a Swiss Army knife, uh, 
Tyson Mills goes two for two for 24 yards, also carries the ball 14 times for 46 yards in the Saints' score. And, uh, of course, Marshawn Lattimore, who had missed, I don't know, uh, eight, ten games during the course of the year, has a pick six late to really uh, set the table as the Saints go on to win 20 to 10. Yeah, and the, yeah, I, you have to love the offensive game plan that the Saints came out with in the first half. Uh, they really kept a an outstanding Philadelphia defense off balance. Uh, you know, moved the football. Now going into halftime, uh, I, I was concerned that they had uh, they had squandered a few scoring opportunities. Again, story yeah. of the twenty twenty two season for the Saints. Uh, and offensively, once again, inexplicably, they went ultra conservative in the second half. Uh, but luckily, the defense saved the day, and you know, oh my gosh, did they! I mean, you know, Lattimore, uh, Lattimore was targeted a couple times early on, fairly successfully. I just, I, I wrote in my post game article that he uh, apparently had to knock off some game rust. Uh, but yeah, he, he definitely finished strong. Uh, you know, the the, the Saints front seven, uh, especially defensive ends. Um, uh, Cam and Granderson, along with linebacker Ellis, uh, they just they had terrific outings too. Uh, yeah, and this was the defense. And really, over the last six or eight weeks, this has been the defense that we expected the Saints to have all year long. Yeah, you're right, Bob. And uh, of course, uh, Cam Jordan, as you mentioned, had three sacks in that game. Uh, Ellis had one and a half, along with uh, uh, Granderson with one and a half. Uh, and the Saints still, you know, were missing a couple of defensive players. A fine linebacker out of Ohio State, Warner. I don't believe played in the game at all, and I'm trying to think, did uh, the safety, uh, yeah, Williams uh, did play. Uh, I'll see where he played. Uh, of course, Adebo uh, uh, played a pretty good game also uh, mm-hmm. with a pass defense, and the Saints uh, ran the ball effectively for the first time in uh, uh, quite a few games, too. So uh, Kamara had 16 touches for 74 yards, uh, rush, rushing the ball. He also only caught uh, one pass for seven yards, but uh, the Saints played pretty well. I thought uh, they kind of uh, just standoffish, but, um, boy, just a big get win. Of course, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the Saints were eliminated when Green Bay won their game uh, Saturday. Is that uh, <laughs> set the Saints back? They needed. I know we talked uh, earlier. The Saints needed uh, a lot of help with losses, but <laughs> did that the Packer wins separate the Saints? Uh, were they uh, making the wild, one of the wild card berths? Yes, it did. That, yeah, that was the official elimination. Uh, the New Orleans was eliminated from division title contention uh, when Tampa Bay came back and beat Carolina. Yeah. Uh, but like you pointed out, and like we've talked about on your show the last couple of weeks, uh, there was still a, a very outside chance of sneaking in as a wild card. Uh, you know, without going into all the scenarios now, uh, you know, the, those scenarios all became moot once Green Bay uh, once Green Bay beat Minnesota. So. Yeah, the the Saints. Uh, I, I hate to call a game meaningless because you tell that to any player and they're going to have words with you. Sure. Uh, but yeah, it, uh, the, the season finale against Carolina is meaningless by the outcome. Yes, uh, it might mean a little higher draft pick, but I don't think the Saints have a first round draft pick this year in that Correct. trade, uh, uh, which they did uh, earlier the, uh, during the year. So uh, in the meantime. Uh, um, your thoughts on uh, throughout the year? You know the Saints uh, 
that game against last game against Tampa Bay, the Brady scores two scores uh, with three, four minutes left to go in the game, and then the game in London against Minnesota where they had a chance to win that game, and then how bad they played against the Steelers up in Pittsburgh. Uh, <laughs> there were a few games throughout the year that uh, could have changed some things. Uh, even the last the game against Cincinnati where – LSU's chase goes uh, 55 yards, uh, mm-hmm. breaks a tackle, and they end up beating the Saints 30-26. to 26. Uh, Just a lot of uh, games you look back on. They were in, just couldn't find the, the last uh, knob to pull to win. So, uh, um, and beat up. This team was really beat up through the course of the year too, Bob. Yeah, they were beat up. They came into the year beat up. They, you know, they came out of preseason with a lot of key injuries. Uh, you know, and you know, were never really able to write themselves health-wise. Uh, but yeah, outside of that, if you're going to put uh, a one-sentence description on the 2022 Saints, let's echo the words of former uh, coach Jim Mora: "Could have, would have, should have." Uh, and that, that, that's what the season was all about. And I, yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, defensive breakdowns, along with. Uh, yeah, some. Uh, let me try to find a PG term. We'll just uh, call it questionable officiating uh, against Minnesota. Cost them uh, defensive breakdown against Cincinnati. Uh, conservative uh, conservative offense and defensive breakdown against Tampa Bay. The second meeting, uh, a no show in Pittsburgh, which still baffles me. Um, and you know, squandering offensive opportunities against San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you 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 reverse even one of those outcomes, and this is a playoff team as we go into Week 18. Yeah, it sure is. And uh, one uh, one last thing, Bob, is that uh, what's gonna what's gonna take place with the quarterback situation with the Saints is uh, Jameis Winston. Uh, I'm not sure with his uh, contract. Uh, you know, if it's a two year deal he signed earlier this year, or if. Uh, if this, I mean, what's what's what are you hearing in that regard? Uh, Jameis Winston did sign a two-year contract this off-season. Uh, however, uh, it, it was a it is a very team-friendly deal. Where if the team decided to move on from Jameis, or Jameis decided he wants out of New Orleans, uh, the bulk of that money was tied up in the signing bonus. So, you know, if New Orleans releases Jameis Winston at the conclusion of the season, I believe they're only going to be uh, you know, hit, uh, take a like a six, seven, maybe eight million dollar salary cap hit. Uh, you know, which is you know, big money to you know, guys like you and me, but oh, minuscule yeah. in, the, in terms of uh, you know, NFL salary cap. And I do expect uh, the the Saints to move on from Jameis Winston, especially if Dennis Allen comes back as the head coach, as most of us expect at this point. Andy Dalton is scheduled to be an unrestricted free agent. Now, you know, Andy, uh, Andy has played efficient ball most of the year, but I think we can all agree that the future does not lie on the shoulders of a 35-year-old backup quarterback. So I don't expect either Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton to be a New Orleans Saint next year. Uh, yeah, we're going to see a whole revamping of that quarterback room uh, and probably a revamping of the offensive coaching staff as well. So before we speculate on quarterbacks, and there's going to be some out there, um, I think the Saints first have to make a decision on what they're going to do with their offensive coaches. Uh, you know, I, I think Pete Carmichael and most of that staff is gone, but whether I'm right or wrong, whatever the coaching staff's philosophy is going forward, that's when we'll see the move, movement at quarterback. Gotcha there. Any uh, defensive concerns? Uh, I know we went into this season thinking the defense was strong. How are they looking next year? 
I I think that this this unit is still going to be the strength of the team. Uh, you know, Marcus Davenport is a free agent, but I believe that the team has been prepared to move on from him, to let him walk uh, you know, throughout the year. Uh, you know, we're seeing Carl Granderson get the majority of the snaps over Davenport over the last month or so. Uh, team has to make very interesting contract decisions on Cam Jordan and Demario Davis. Both players will be 34 before the start of next year. Both are still playing at an extremely high level, but if you're looking for areas where the Saints are going to cut some salary, uh, and they're going to have to this offseason, those two players are going to be the center of all kinds of cap casualty rumors. If they bring them back, you know, it want one or both of them, uh, I think it's a smart decision, but you'll see some restructuring. Uh, the entire defensive tackle position, they're all free agents, uh, and that has been one of the biggest weaknesses on this team. I think you'll see an upgrade at the defensive line interior spot and look for the team. Tyron Matthew, Marcus May are both under contract next year. Uh, there's an out in Marcus May's deal where it won't hit the team hard in the salary cap region. Uh, uh, but yeah, even if May and Matthew are both back, they need better play from the safety position. So look for them to address that this offseason as well. Uh, linebackers, Kate Nellis is a free agent. Uh, there's plenty of big-name free agents uh, that are going to hit the market for the Saints this year. I think Caden Ellis, because of his play over the last half of the year, he's he ha- you have to believe that the Saints are going to make him a top offseason priority. Uh, you know, he should be pretty affordable, uh, especially we just mentioned you know, the, the contract status of Demario Davis. Pete Werner is going to be coming back. Uh, you know, I, I, so, like I said, I expect uh, you know, and Lattimore, Adebo, Taylor, they're all in the prime of their career. Uh, that cornerback unit is as strong as any. So, yeah, I think def- overall defensively, I think this is going to be the strength of the team in 2023. Yeah, at the outset, you mentioned DeMar Hamlin, and no doubt his well-being mm-hmm. is uh, number one. But a lot of folks are probably scratching their head. What the NFL does as far as the, the rest of the schedule and whether you try to make up that game and how you deal, all all the playoff implications involved with those two teams and the two teams they were scheduled to play this Sunday. Uh, yeah, and you know, for, first and most importantly is the health and well-being of uh, DeMar Hamlin. Uh, you know, he, he is he is an outstanding young man that overcame a lot just to, to get onto and stay on the football field, overcame a lot in his personal life in his younger days. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. If we're gonna stay, if we're gonna talk business, yeah, this game does have major postseason implications in the AFC. Uh, I'm glad the NFL did the right thing. Finally, it took too long, but uh, yeah, uh, they they finally did the right thing by postponing the game. Although, uh, honestly, based off of the things that I was hearing and seeing unfold on the field. Uh, the players weren't going to come back out there. The players and the teams made that decision. They, they weren't going to finish that game. Guys, it wouldn't surprise me if the league, after talking to both teams, uh, you know, agreed to just, if they agreed to just rule this game as a tie, uh, in the win-loss column for the Bengals and Bills, uh, that seems to be the fairest way to go about it without forcing these guys back on the field. Uh, because you're talking about an, a, a, a league, the NFL, that keeps preaching about player safety, but all of their actions say otherwise. If after what just happened to DeMar Hamlin on Monday, 
they turn around and make these teams play again, finish their game on, say, Wednesday, Thursday, and then turn around and have to force them to play a game again on Sunday or probably more realistically they'd move it to Monday. You tell me that that's a league that's concerned about player safety? Uh Uh-uh. So I think business-wise, the fairest thing would be to just rule the game as a tie. It it does it benefits slash penalizes the team, both teams equally, and it doesn't force them to you know, to get back on the field and you know, and, and such emotional strife and putting them in further physical jeopardy. Yeah, no doubt, and uh, that may be the best scenario going forward. And it would be most interesting to see those two teams in the postseason matchup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure, and I think that's a very realistic opportunity. Uh, you know, the, those two, yeah, Cincinnati, in my opinion, has been playing better football than anybody in the NFL coming into the week. Buffalo has been up there all you know, all year long, and they're a legit Super Bowl contender. Uh, Kansas City might have a word or two about who comes out of the AFC too. Uh, you know, but both of these teams, I feel for them. Because you know, and you know, you guys doing this as a business too. I'm sure you've gotten to know you know, you know current players, former players. It literally is a fraternity. Uh, yeah, and you know, the, the, it's a brotherhood for these guys. Uh, you know, they're closer to the to their teammates and opponents than they are their own families. Many of them. So I, I feel for them and what they're going through. I had a couple conversations with former players that we've interviewed on the Bayou Blitz last night and into this morning. Uh, you know they're they're very concerned. Uh, you know as well. Again, it's just like a cousin that you're close to or a brother. Uh, you know going going down with severe health concerns. Uh, you know, well the the word is that uh, Demar Hamlin had cardiac arrest, so it's you know, it, it, it's like a family member. Uh, you know going down with a heart attack. Your first concern is not work not going to work the next day. Uh, you know, it's not paying such and such a bill. Your first concern, as it should be, uh, you know, is is with your brother in jeopardy. There you go, Bob. Always a pleasure. Remind us how to read and hear your work, guys. Thank you again for having me on, uh, folks. You can follow me on Facebook, Bob Rose R O S E. I'm over on Twitter at Bobby R twenty six thirteen. All of my work can be uh, you know, read and followed through the Saints News Network at Saints News on Twitter, and catch our show, The Bayou Blitz. We go every Wednesday night live at eight p.m. Central Time. And if you want to catch any of our past shows, just hop over onto YouTube, uh, you know, and uh, and search for Bayou Blitz. Real good, Bob. Always a pleasure. Uh, do it again Monday, maybe uh, a final time. For sure, guys. Thank you so much, and uh, have a terrific week. All right. Appreciate it. All right. Bob Rose, uh, again, SI.com and other avenues. Uh, Appreciate him joining us usually on Mondays of these past two uh, holiday Monday mornings. Pushed it to Tuesday, but... Tony, how about today in Bayou? Uh, in, I was going to say today in Bayou sports history, but sports history. Yeah, today in sports history, Jeff. Today, January third, in the year nineteen twenty, the Red Sox baseball club owner Harry Frazee announces the agreement to sell the slugger Babe Ruth to the New York Yankees for one hundred twenty-five thousand in cash and three hundred fifty thousand dollars loan to start the eighty-fourth year of the curse of the Bambino. Anyway, uh, Babe Ruth ended up. 
uh, playing for the Yankees and brought the Yankees their first world championship. Of course, they were known as the Highlanders for many years until, I think, 16, 15, when they became the Yankees. Elsewhere on this date, 1971, the first AFC championship game at Memorial Stadium. The Baltimore, the Colts, beat the Raiders 27-17. to of course, I think the Colts go on to beat Dallas in the, in the third Super, third or fourth Super Bowl, fifth Super Bowl, maybe in 1971. Elsewhere in 1973, a 12-man syndicate led by Michael Burke and George Steinbrenner the third by the Major League New York Yankees from CBS for $10 million. Wow. I think, what are they worth today? Four or five billion mm-hmm. or more. 1981, golfer Johnny Miller wins the sport's first $1 million tournament when he beats Stavi Ballesteros in Spain in a playoff in the inaugural Million Dollar World Challenge at Sun City, South Africa. 1983, on this date, Dallas running back Tony Dorsett sets the NFL record with a 99-yard rushing touchdown as the Cowboys defeat the Vikings 31-27. 1993, the comeback, Frank Wright. Leads the Buffalo Bills back from a 32-point deficit to defeat the Houston Oilers 41-38 in overtime on a wild-card playoff game, the greatest comeback ever in NFL history. Of course, we saw a big comeback this past year, too, where it was that the Vikings came back from, what, 32 or 33 nothing to defeat mm-hmm. the Colts earlier this year. Elsewhere in 1994, Steve Young of the 49ers become the first quarterback to win three straight NFL passing titles uh, to lodge three consecutive passer ratings of 100-plus. 1997, Texas El Paso head coach Don Haskins becomes the 10th coach in NCAA Division I history, records 700 wins, and the Miners defeat SMU 65-64. Of course, Don Haskins was the first coach in 1966 to lead Texas El Paso with an all-black starting lineup over the Kentucky Wildcats for the national title. 2001, college football's third BCS national championship in Miami. The Oklahoma beats number two Florida State in a defensive battle, 13-2 at the Orange Bowl. 2005, the 71st Sugar Bowl, number three Auburn defeats Virginia Tech by the score of 16-13, the first perfect season in Auburn school history. Elsewhere in 2007, 73rd Sugar Bowl, number four LSU beats number 11 Notre Dame 41-14 in that game. Elsewhere in 2007, the Dolphins NFL head coach Nick Saban resigns after agreeing to a return to college football to take the head coaching job at Alabama. We'll have more on that in a moment. <laughs> Birthdays today, in, born in 23, 1923, Hank Stram, football coach, Hall of Fame, Super Bowl champ with the Chiefs, born in Chicago, Illinois, and also with the Saints for two years back in 75 and 76. Elsewhere on this date in 19, uh, born on this date in 1980, David Tyree. Does that name ring a bell? Well, mm. he was a guy that caught the improbable pass as the Giants beat the unbeaten uh, Patriots in the Super Bowl. What was that, 2007? No. Eight. I, I think yeah. it was eight. January of 2008. Eight uh, made the improbable catch from Eli Manning to defeat the. No, it would have been nine. Because the Bears were there in January of 2008. That's right. No, no, no. Actually, They were there in seven. No, I'm going to go back and say it was January of 2008. Okay. And uh, the improbable catch, the Patriots at the time, I think, were 18-0. and And they lose to the Giants. The only team to beat the Patriots uh, twice in the Super Bowl were the Giants and Eli Manning. Uh, Speaking of Eli Manning, born on this date in 1981. That's right. Eli Manning, MVP, Super Bowl 7-11. So those were the years that they beat the Patriots. 
and a pro bowler with the Giants, uh, born in New Orleans, Louisiana, Eli Manning. And the quote of the day from Nick Saban, and this was two weeks prior to him saying, I'm not going to be the Alabama coach. And two weeks later, he is the Alabama coach, Nick Saban, uh, former Tiger head coach, Dolphin head coach, and also uh, how many national championships he's won at Alabama? I think six. I don't have enough fingers. Yeah, he's won one at LSU and I think six at uh, Alabama. Anyway, that's today in sports history. And you bring up uh, during that uh, great trivia question. All right. And I'm pretty sure I'm right on this. Who's the only team who has been in a Super Bowl having represented both conferences? Oh, the only team. Oh, good question there. Good question there because they moved. Yeah. They moved. The Colts were one of the NFL teams that uh, politely were asked to move to the new AFC. That's right. They, the, the Steelers merger. and the Browns Yeah, were the three that moved and, from the NFL to the AFL. And Seattle was an AFC team, moved to the NFC, but didn't get to a Super Bowl until they were in the NFC. That's right. And they've been in a couple now. That's right. I like the Astros. Didn't get in the World Series. Yeah. Uh, win a World Series till they move to the uh, American League. But there you go. There's another one. Uh, not too many teams have been in a World Series from both leagues. That's right. I don't and, think there are any. The, the Brewers will have an opportunity. That's right. That's, that's another one. At some point, if they ever actually get past the first round of the playoffs. But anyway, that's uh, it. Yeah, today in sports history, January 3rd, a big Tuesday uh, here at Kane Radio. Absolutely. As always, big thanks to our guest, Bob Rose from SI.com. And, of course, our sponsors, Bayou Sports, brought to you by Jacob Landry, candidate for State Representative District 49, the Quarter Tavern, L.A. Classic Roofing, Cane Row Golf and Turf Club, and Schwing Insurance.